Hi, and welcome to this latest episode of Sephad Pod, the Sectarianism Proxies and Desectarianization podcast. I'm Simon Maybon, and today I'm joined by Harith Hassan, non resident senior fellow at the Carnegie Middle East Center, and also. Harith is based at the Central European University. I'm sure most of you know Harith's work from his uh, his wonderful body of scholarship on Iraq, on sectarianism, identity politics, state-society relations. He's been incredibly prolific, uh, covering a, a wide range of of topics. And I was, I was just saying to Harith before we started that speaking with with lots of other people about guests to get on the on the show, Harith's name was someone that that always cropped up. So I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you today, Harith. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Simon, and thanks for this introduction. Uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure. It's really exciting to to have you on the show. So, Harith, can you tell us a little bit about about what got you interested in uh, in politics, in in sectarian politics, identity politics, and uh, and your sort of intellectual interest, please? Yes, yeah, so, uh, I have a PhD in political science. I actually studied my uh, studied political science at Baghdad University, and then uh, I did my masters in uh, Leeds University and my PhD in Sucola Superior Santana in Italy. It was always about politics. Uh, uh, I had wide range of interest within that uh, broad uh, category. Uh, but eventually, uh, given that I, I lived in Iraq during the difficult times of what we refer to today as the civil war or the sectarian fighting of 2006-2007, and I saw the transformations that have been happening uh, in the late 90s and also the beginning of uh, the war and uh, of 2003 war and the aftermath of the fall of Saddam Hussein regime. So my in, I became more interested in under, understanding the dynamics of uh, ethnic and sectarian conflict, uh, uh, identity politics. Uh, so I did my PhD on this particular subject, focusing on uh, sectarianism, nationalism, and sociopolitical conflict in Iraq especially post-2003, but also I, uh, to do that I had to do some intense readings on the theory of nationalism and ethnic conflict. Um, and also my approach to that is uh, being a political scientist is, is, is focused also on on um, uh, state-society relations, on institutions, on state building and state fragmentation, and eventually I became more I became interested in other things, like uh, also uh, classic interest of political science, like political parties, uh, their their operations. Now I'm trying to do some more work on on this, on especially on patronage. Right. Uh, given the fact that Iraq is a rentier state, uh, is dependent on oil resources, and the politics to, to a large extent is revolving around distribution of the resources, which entrenched patronage politics. So I, I'm, I'm trying to understand these dynamics. And also recently, I in the last few, year, few years, I was 
working on uh, religious authorities. It was part of a project that I started when I was a postdoc at Brandeis University. And then I moved to the Central European University, working with a team on religion, state, and disintegration in the Middle East. Uh, basically, we were trying to understand some of the dynamics of conflicts in both Iraq and Syria and other other countries in the region, and the, 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 the transformation in, 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 uh, in the religious field, uh, the rise of uh, uh, militias with the claims to uh, uh, militias adopting religious discourse, uh, the, the, the conflict within uh, different claimants to religious authority, um, and basically we were trying to approach it from a different perspective than the common ones, avoiding both the uh, essentialist approach that uh, look at sectarianism as it is something fixed, uh, decontextualized. Sure. And at the same time, we wanted to avoid uh, other approach uh, that are more common on, on the left, especially in the post-colonial studies, uh, that focus so much on the discourse and uh, disregard the, the, the actual processes, the societal processes that are taking place, uh, leading to this kind of conflicts and uh, sort of mobilizations. Sure. It, it, it's, it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. I mean, there's a, a wide range of, of, of stuff that you've done, and, and it, it's, it's easy to see why you've, uh, you've done it, I guess, with your personal experience and the different projects that you've been involved in. Just before we, we go deeper into some of those, Harith, you have an MA from a place that I have my PhD from in, in Leeds, mm-hmm. and, yes. and that was in political communications. Yes. I wonder, can you tell us just what, what dragged you in, in that direction and how you think political communication helped you in, in understanding some of the issues that you're, you're encountering today? Okay, so first it was, first that was a wonderful experience for me, <laughs> because I, um, at that time I, I lived all my life in Iraq, I studied sure. in Iraq, and um, uh, I, so this was the first chance to, to have access to a different educational system, um, uh, uh, why I chose public communication, partly because uh, I've been given this uh, evening scholarship, and uh, I looked at the options available, and I found uh, among them, like for 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 someone who's who majored in political science, uh, most of the options were either IR or political communication or political systems. So, I at that time I was, as, as I told you, I was so much interested in under, understanding the dynamics of conflict in Iraq, so I preferred to do something on, like, related to, to, to identities uh, uh, and uh, ethno-sectarian conflict. So communication is not directly related to that, but communication is strongly related to the, to the question of forming perceptions and hence forming groups and communities. And uh, 
and the narratives of identities. And I really learned a lot in that uh, in that one year course. Sure at least university, especially in terms of like developing my English, but also in terms of reading, because in Iraq, uh, after long years of selections, we didn't have access to new sources. Uh, access to internet was too difficult. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then it's true, there, there was an openness after 2003, but with that, there was the, the chaos and the messy situation that made it almost impossible for someone like me to pursue uh, uh, an academic career sure. like in a serious way. All right, moving, moving beyond that, one of the things that, that I, I really admire about your research and one of the things that I think makes it so fascinating is that you approach questions about sectarianism, sect-based politics from from a different perspective from the sort of the traditional um, essentialist, primordialist, constructivist debates. You you try and contextualize it within the context of states and institutions and state state society relations, as you say. How did you get to that point? Why did you go down that route rather than going down the more perhaps obvious route of exploring sectarianism? Yeah, so like like uh, every PhD uh, student, I started with with a uh, with a certain kind of focus. I was more into understanding the narratives and the discourse and things like that. But eventually, as I was reading more about uh, the formation of identities, especially the theory of nationalism, I was uh, very much influenced by Ernest Gellner uh, and uh, Benedict Anderson, and later also Rogers Brubaker, who all tended to contextualize the, the transformation of identity. Um, uh, I, I thought it is, it, is, it is more important for someone like me, who's a political scientist, to understand the dynamics that uh, shape uh, communal identities, uh, uh, that deepen the divisions between the groups or actually overcome these divisions. Uh, then, uh, reading more about Iraq's history, notice the central role played by, by the state and by modernization uh, in in reshaping Iraqi society, so uh, and in, in my in my PhD thesis, I, I introduced the the theme of the post-tribal society, saying that the the most important change that happened in Iraq since like even before the formation of the modern state, modern state, but at least since Iraq became influenced by modernization and by uh, by capitalism and by the colonial expansion was the transformation of Iraqi society from being a tribal society into what I categorize as mostly a post-tribal society. And with that, there was a huge set of uh, changes in culture, um, in, uh, in, in authority, in, in the way people relate to each other, but also a new, a new conflict and the new confusions, a perplexity about the communal identity for people who were mostly uh, connected to each other for, through this traditional tribal 
uh, identity into uh, a space where different uh, um, references, different sources of influence are uh, coexisting and conflicting at the, at the same time in shaping people's identities. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I have, I have so many questions, Harith, and we have so little time. But I, I wonder, what do you think this approach can tell us about Iraq and, and perhaps the Middle East more broadly that, that other approaches can't then? So, uh, studying the, the, the dynamics and the reasons that politi politicize sectarian groups is important to understand uh, these processes, but also to, uh, important to understand that the, 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 there, there, there might be eventually uh, different type of processes that will actually desectarianize. Uh, social, social uh, groups or sociocultural groups. Um, uh, so uh, also the, the the eventual movement from the social socialists, uh, and I would put between brackets the populist paradigm huh, yeah. of of state society relations the, the, the in, in which the legitimacy of state was derived from the promise of development of uh, asserting the national sovereignty uh, achieving progress uh, um, denying uh, cultural differences in the name of the unity uh, the, the the role of the welfare state that, the, which which was the common model in most of the Arab countries and in, in Iraq at least since uh, the 60s was the model of uh, that shaped state society relations and was eventually reinforced by the fact that Iraq was uh, uh, was an oil dependent uh, country in which the state because of the oil resources is able to become stronger than the society and therefore, to reshape society. Uh, we eventually moved from that model into a, a different model, which is one based on, some will describe it, neoliberal neo model. I know this is a controversial concept, but there was eventual withdrawal of the state from uh, some of the functions that it had implemented before and without a, a change in the in the in the social co uh, contract, so instead of uh, a contract in which the state was providing uh, the population with their main needs, with the possibility of socio-economic advancement, uh, in exchange for uh, public acquiescence to the state authority. Uh, into a situation in which the state is no longer uh, deliver, delivering its, this part, its part of the contract, and therefore uh, uh, the society and large social segments were left alone. And that, that was a situation in Iraq, not only because of the shift in the paradigm uh, that was reinforced after the Cold War, but also the fact that Iraq uh, faced uh, harsh international sanctions that made the, the state weaker than any time before, and the, the resources had shrunk. And that change, uh, especially in the 90s, had been uh, very 
important in 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 in, the, in, in shaping the Iraqi society and people's perceptions of the state and people's perceptions of their identities and was eventually reinforced by after 2003 especially with with the with the new paradigm of concessionalism uh, therefore creating a new dynamics that eventually inst institutionalized ethnic and sectarian identities uh, that became the main ways through which people get access to power or uh, representation um, uh, uh, and uh, this paradigm has been dominant since 2003 recently there there, 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 there was a change as uh, the socioeconomic factors are becoming uh, more influential in shaping people's perceptions and therefore an, a new societal polarization uh, which again uh, uh, emphasize the point I made at the beginning that we have to look at the processes sure, uh, yeah. in order to understand uh, these changes. So I, I wonder, Harith, how does how do the changes that have sort of emerged after the sort of the emergence and defeat of Daesh shape the the Iraqi state? We know that there have been a great many sort of wranglings and machinations that have taken place. How how do all how does all of this come together to shape the Iraqi state in light of the, the, the serious changes that it's gone through? Uh, so, uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, the, the rise of Daesh was probably the most existential challenge the post-2003 state has faced. Uh, but at the same time, the, the, the success in uh, in, def in militarily uh, lib liberating the areas that were controlled by Daesh and weakening Daesh, forcing it back to its uh, um, old methods of, like, uh, as an insurgent groups that basically use hit and run tactics, but yeah. and at the same time it is in its, its weakest position. Uh, that reasserted the fact that uh, the, 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 the Iraqi state is there to stay. I mean, uh, I'm sure you remember the narrative in 2014 when everybody was talking about the end of Iraq yeah. or the partition of Iraq and this, uh, like, big catchphrases. Uh which eventually vanished as the, state, the Iraqi state was progressing in asserting its, its, uh, its dominance. But at the same time, we know that the state is not an abstract entity. It is, it is an entity occupied by people with their own perceptions, with their own interests, with their own worldviews. And I think uh, this process has further led to uh, to asserting the Shia dominance uh, in Iraq, in this, uh, and by the Shia dom dominance, I mainly refer to the uh, Shia Islamist elite yeah. that came to power after 2003. Uh, so there, there was a sense of Shia tri triumphalism that was enhanced after 2000, after uh, let's say 2017, with the defeat of ISIS, and actually was. Uh, even uh, asserted even more after the 
failed failed attempt of Kurdistan to secede from Iraq, uh, uh, which led to a series of events that ended up actually empowering the central government that is dominated by the Shia parties. Sure. And yes. these, these are things yes. you've explored in, in your Carnegie briefs recently. Uh, sorry? These are these are things that you've been exploring in your writings for yes, Carnegie. Yes, yes, yes. So and, if anyone's uh, not read them, I would yeah. strongly urge you to. It, it's really fascinating stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Harith, I'm, I'm conscious we've taken up a great deal of your time already, but I have one last question for you, if sure. I may. And you used the concept earlier that is is, is directly related to, to the project that, that we're running here at Lancaster, and that's desectarianization. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could just say a, a little bit about what you see, if you do indeed see any any sort of seeds of desectarianization in Iraq. I mean, we saw the elections last year, and I think you wrote about this, about the possibility yeah. of moving beyond sect-based difference. So could you say a, a few words about that? So uh, first I would say this is very, I mean, very n- nuanced. Uh, like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very to- uh, complicated topic that needs a lot of nuances, probably, Oh, it's always better to write than to talk about it. But uh, so, and I'm, sometimes I'm still struggling with the way that uh, how these uh, uh, these changes uh, should be framed. Sure. Uh, uh, I, I use the concept of post-sectarian politics, in which I I I, I argue that. Uh, it is uh, it is post-sectarian, not in the sense that sectarianism is no longer relevant. Sectarianism is still relevant. Actually, it is more entrenched institutionally and politically, as we see, for example, in the fact that nobody questions now that the president should be a Kurdish and the prime minister should be a Shia and the speaker of parliament should be a, Sin- a Sunni. Uh, all parties accepted this as a fact. Uh, also, the, the voting behavior, despite of all the talk about cross-sectarian blocks, but in, in most cases, Sunnis voted for Sunnis and Shias for Shias and Kurds for Kurds. And even when there was a coalition like Abadi's coalition, which there were, uh, the, a part of it w- was a, a, Sunni, a Sunni party that won large numbers of seats in Mosul, it was also a, a voting by Sunni voters to Sunni candidates. So... Uh, but what I what I meant is that uh, sectarianism is, is is no longer the only definer of political polarization, which we saw in the competition between Muqtada Sadr uh, and uh, the Al Fatah coalition that is uh, allied with with the Iranians and with the formation of two two blocks. Uh, Although they are not very cohesive blocks, but uh, uh, there was a there was a dynamic in which there were two two political camps, one that included Sunni and Shia parties, and there were disagreements among them about the way that should the how uh, about how should the new government is formed and what what is the criteria on which it should be formed. It's true that. The, the ideological difference and the political worldviews uh, are not the main causes. Sometimes the, the, the patronage, sometimes the personalized politics are playing into it, but it could be a beginning of a, a polarization that uh, overcome 
in its significance, the polarization resulted of, uh, in, in my view, uh, desectorization uh, is going to happen not because we want it to happen, but because the, the processes, the, the societal processes will overcome uh, these, uh, will, will overcome sectarianism, sectarianism because of more uh, more pressing issues, especially socioeconomic issues sure. uh, that face society, especially given the fact that we're talking about society uh, in which 60% of population are under 24 years. And those people, their main hope is to get a, uh, to get a job, to get a salary, uh, in a situation where still the state is the main employer and there's a conflict within the state between different groups and parties to control the state patronage. So that uh, produced dynamics that uh, generate a new kind of polarization that are not uh, exclusively related to identity and sectarian politics. And this is where your your analysis of, of using the state and looking at state-society relations is so very important because it helps to bring exactly. all of these things together. Harit, exactly. thank you so much for, for spending the time with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And, Thanks, and, and I've learned a great deal just through listening to you and your, your rich analysis of, of events in Iraq. So thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you on and we hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. Until the next time, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.